Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Pointers Fantasy League podcast. I am Jake, and I'm joined by Trent. Trent, how's it going? Yep, pretty good, Jake. Um, you know, it's, I was saying to you before we came on, it's always a good feeling when you set your team on Monday, like everyone does, even though you know there's no point, and then team lists come out, and you don't have to change your team at all. Yeah. It's always a great feeling. It only happens once every two years, but <laughs> it happened to me this week. Yeah, Craig Bellamy hasn't pulled any Swifties to screw us over this yeah. week, <laughs> so it's a nice, nice feeling to have. He he likes to uh, do it right before kickoff. Yeah, so surprise! After many major trades, <laughs> which I've always suspected that Craig Bellamy is a secret fantasy league player, and he yeah. does this to screw with the yeah, people. He's that playing him. There's all sixteen coaches have got a league, and he's just like, "Ah, gotcha! You're playing. You're not playing down against us this week." <laughs> that, why is Josh King playing eighty minutes? Yeah. I've got to get my values up. <laughs> he's break even. It's all about the break even. <laughs> That's been a secret this whole time. All of his success is using fantasy league knowledge. Yeah, it's all the stats and fantasy to uh, pick his team each week. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll kick off with the ra- uh, ranks for this week. How did you? Uh, how did you go? Eh. <laughs> Thirty-two thousand for the round, twenty thousand overall. Still, so I'm still hovering in the. I'm in the top twenty percent by a fair margin. I think close to top fifteen percent of the country. Nothing to write home about, but nothing to cry in my pillow about either. What are you doing? Where you, where you sitting at? You missed the top one thousand. Yeah, last crumbled year. all crumbled. It's just it's it's going uh, terribly. But I don't know my uh, overall. Uh, sorry, my round rank because I'm on my phone for my the mobile app doesn't have that. But uh, the overall rank I've got is twenty eight thousand eight hundred and seventy five. So not great, but not horrible. You're as well. closer to me than I thought you were. Yeah, so I had a decent couple of weeks. My team's starting to get a little bit better uh, after the first week was a bit of a disaster. But uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. See how we go this week. Well, the big headline in the team list, Jake, was Nathan Cleary has been named to return the Messiah of Fantasy League. <laughs> yeah, the guy Mr. that got me yeah. through last season. Mr. 100, as yeah. they call him. He's back with the new rule changes. The jury's still out on if he's still Mr. 100, especially after the full, dramatic fall from grace that one Tom Tavoyevich has had, who was um, one of the two best fantasy play- players of all time, which still got to pinch yourself to be like the two best seasons of fantasy league ever. Both came last year. The same year, yeah. <laughs> same year, though, both just crushing it. Like, I think Nathan Cleary averaged close to 100 and Tavoyevich averaged like over 80, so it was just insanity. Uh, Trevojevic has come crashing back to earth. How do you think Nathan Cleary will fare? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, the the whole kick meters is dropping down in points, which uh, which will definitely affect his score. Um, you know, coming off a shoulder injury, I'd say it'll probably take him a couple of weeks to to get somewhat back in the groove. But um, yeah, and first game against the Rabbitohs, too, grand final rematch, probably a tough one to to kick off with. So. Um, yeah, million over a million dollars to uh, to start the season. There'll be some people that'll be uh, crazy enough to try and bring him in this week. He might, yeah, he might score a hundred and look at, make us look like a fool anyway. But um, yeah, I think it's pretty much yeah. of a risk uh, just this early. I don't think it's clearly what the right decision hey. is. But uh, yeah, I think I've already known some people that are bringing him in straight away. And worked for people last year. He was overly priced last year at the start. Well, seemed to be overly priced. Yeah. He was very expensive. And people brought him in and stuck Me with him. Included. And it, it paid dividends. So, you know, if you follow the same model last year, you know, don't fix it unless it's broke. There's no way to know if it's broken until he plays the first few rounds. I think it's been hard. You know, I mean, I, I probably had the money to bring him in either this week or next week, but I spent it on Nico Hines instead, who's a 260 grand cheaper, so I could move my money into other parts of my team. 
So, which, you know, and I was very late to the Cleary party last year. I hate paying exorbitant prices for players, which has been my downfall. It cost me a top eight spot last year in our personal league. So I'll be interested. It'll be interesting. I'll check with the lab right now what his ownership is. He's up to 13% when it was 11% last week, so they're slowly people starting to get on the bandwagon. Yeah, I think it'll be, yeah, I think it'll be over 20% probably by the end of next week. So um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what he does round one, uh, well, round, what are we, four now, but he'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be waiting for myself until I re- literally just don't have the cash to bring him in at the moment, so... That's uh, that's half the battle. We've actually got our first ever text in. Considering this isn't a live show, it's very <laughs> odd. But Rodney from Brisbane texted me in. I'm just weighing up Cleary. It would only take one head knock and his price would plummet. I have the cash, but could upgrade elsewhere. Decisions. It is. That's the that's the that's the risk. A million dollars if you if he scores like what uh, Travoyevich has been scoring, it's going to be a disaster. So, mm. I, uh, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't take a risk. I'm a, I'm a bit of a, uh, a simple man that likes to not take too many risks. So, uh, But I guess each to their own. Well, little Rodney, I'd have to <laughs> say... <laughs> well, little Rodney, I'd have to say um, I, just, I agree with Jake. Shocking. Normally people are on here for our warring back-and-forth critiques and opposite philosophies when it comes to the Fantasy League. But I think the risk of bringing in Nathan Cleary right now is too vast. You just have to look at what's happened to Tom Travojevic and famously guns in the past. I need to see hard evidence. My other argument, Jake, is his top price last year was $1.2 million. So if your worst case is waiting five, six weeks and he goes up to one point two, you're paying an extra one fifty to protect yourself from maybe losing three to four hundred. Yeah. So I think the risk versus reward there um goes in the favour of waiting and waiting and seeing. And like you said, coming back from a shoulder injury, there's just too much evidence to justify grabbing him right now is too big of a swing. Unless you just have a spare million sitting around in your cap. <laughs> what have you been doing? Please, you've clearly played fantasy wrong. The only situation where I'd maybe, maybe justify it is if you're on the Tom Javoyevich bandwagon. Yeah. And you're trying to get You're off. just done. Yeah. You're done. I'm like, I've already lost 200000 I've got. He's got a break even this week of 111. You like? I'd rather just get on the like upgrade now. Get on the Cleary bandwagon and stem the bleeding. Circle back and get Travoyevich after he loses another 100, 150. That case, I could maybe argue, like argue towards the pivot because you're only like 200 off the trade. Yep. Um, and similar, maybe if you're with Cam Murray or Daily Cherry Evans, and you're like, I'm within spitting distance. I'm one trade away. And one Jason Tomalolo salary dump from getting Nathan Cleary, then it's a bit more palatable if you like have to make a huge change or like break if, your team. To if you have it. to, if you have to like dump Kalen Ponga for Brody Jones to then update upgrade to Desco to Nathan Cleary, then maybe that's too big. Of yeah, a the swing. averages across two. You'd rather have two really good or decent players, the one really good player and one average. Well, player. The, he could score a hundred, and the move is on next week, but. Players don't score as much in the weeks one and two. Yep. You need three games to properly impact your score. So I think, you know, you can kind of roll the dice because even if he scores 100, his price isn't going to go up dramatically, especially since he's playing a break-even of 81. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you're scoring hundreds for three weeks in a row, then you go, okay, cool, we might be in a bit of trouble here. Um, But, yeah, the the first week will be the test and then make the decision from there. Yeah, and... We've got on our notes from the team list a much more minor one, but one that I was very upset about. We were hoping that Max King, minute, min, uh, points per minute fantasy league king, <laughs> pun intended, yes, 
didn't get the second row spot. Instead, Corey Waddell slotting in. That does mean that Max King will probably be the first forward off the bench. And uh, as it was revealed, the reason he got a paltry 29 by his standards was because he was taken off due to injury. Yeah, a bit of a twin injury. Yeah, yeah. so he's good to play. So hopefully, I don't think Corey Waddell played a lot of big minutes uh, when he has come off the bench. And and I think he started with Luke Thompson. They did the swap there a few times early in the season. So... Um, yeah, hopefully Max King gets those minutes. Like, because yeah, he was only playing like thirty odd minutes, scoring forty, fifty points. So if he plays longer minutes, then that that's only uh, only an improvement on on that. So fingers crossed he he gets over that injury if it if it is minor and he can um yeah get some big minutes over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he's still got a lot of room to grow. He's playing this week with a break even of seven. So I think ideally people would be happy if he got to the four fifty mark, but five hundred marks not out of the realm of possibility, so he just needs more minutes to get there. Speaking of affordable um, forwards, moving to the edge now, Brody Jones got named to replace hothead Mitchell Barnett. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Elbows. Yes, the people's elbow. (laughs) Yeah, not the people's elbow. (laughs) Uh, The anti-people elbow, whatever it's called. So Brody Jones will be slotting in. He's historically scored pretty well when he started. I'd say you're looking at a potential average of 38 to 45. Yeah, he was a bit of a tackling machine. He played pretty well when he got got minutes last year. And he can score a try. He can run a hole. Like, he's not going to Andrew Fafita you a try, but he can run a hole. And he's got good leg speed and power, so he can sometimes barge over. So he's got a try in him, and he's got a lot of tackles in him. Not much beyond that, but a potential cheapie emerging in the Newcastle starting lineup for the next few weeks. Yeah, well, six weeks is well. We don't know at this as of uh, as of recording what uh, Mitch Barnett's punishment is. But even if you imagine it's four to six weeks, um, that's a pretty good time to get some price increases. And you'd imagine he'd probably still stay within the team even after um, Barnett's back. Yeah, well, I was, go- I was about to say he didn't play last week because of COVID protocols. So there was every chance he could have started in the second row, and Barnett was on the bench True. like he was previously. So. By my four to six weeks calculation, I was actually factoring in Clamour, not Barnett's suspension. Yep. But they're both probably a similar timeline. I'd imagine Barnett and Clemmer will be back around the same time. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Clemmer's, uh Barnett's probably going to get four to six weeks plus a tire and feathering down the streets of Newcastle. <laughs> so. Yeah. We'll see how we go. Uh, Brandon Smith is one that you jotted down, Jake. You feel like there might be a um, Melbourne Storm, Craig Bellamy, Smokey Special coming out. Yeah, so Harry Grant's back this week with the uh, the COVID protocols. He's been named a dummy half. But interestingly, uh, Brandon Smith's been named on the bench, which you've still got Josh King starting at lock. Now, obviously, Brandon Smith's going to the Roosters next year. Are they looking to, you know give Josh King an extended run, knowing that he's probably going to be there or he's going to be there longer than Brandon Smith? I'd say you still want your best 13 starting. I think Brandon Smith still would fit into any of Melbourne's best 13. Um, so, yeah, I think potentially it could be a late-minute, ch- last-minute change to start him um, at, at lock. But he could come off the bench as an impact player, but you just have to wait and see. Josh King has felt like fool's gold this whole time. We could be wrong. I've been tempted. I've been very tempted yep. by this fool's gold. Yeah, I wasn't able to bring him in when I wanted to. And if, when I wanted to, it was week two. And like, Okay, three weeks of him starting. Then Brandon Smith came home, came back early and you're like, okay, no, and now he's on the bench. But if any coach has ever been known to get the smokehouse out and do some <laughs> nice smoky flavours on his team list, it's Craig Bellamy. Uh, I just, even if 
uh, King starts. He could start for 10 minutes and then Smith comes on or start for 20. Smith plays the next 60 at lock. Yeah. And then King goes into the forward rotation and he gets 40 minutes or 38 or whatever. So I just feel like, uh, don't read too much into Brandon Smith being on the bench and think that Josh King is still a keeper. He could be. I'm not... I can't see the future, but I'm going to still stay away from Josh King for now. Bit of a risk, yeah. I think, yeah, when you've got someone of that calibre on your bench, that any week he could uh, he could come straight back into the starting side, including this week. So, yeah, definitely one I've avoided uh, as well. Yeah, now we're moving on to a super special segment. I don't know what we, we changed <laughs> it. It's still, yeah, it's, just, it's still uh, in, in the works. It's yeah. in the uh, drawing boards. Brought to you by Oreos. Not really, but if <laughs> Oreo wants to give me free yeah, Oreos. do love Oreos. Go nuts. Well, go cookie. Um, <laughs> so this week we're going to be talking about trade management, which we we'll were talking to one of our avid listeners and he told us that he hasn't made any trades yet this season. Which is ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> but his argument, which was sound, but I, I do think it's an overcompensation, is that he's always burnt his trades really early and then he ran out. And his team falls apart, which happens to the best of us, yep. except for you. Except for me, you're yeah. the trade hoarder. <laughs> I do t- generally run out of my trades, and the seasons that I've done well is when I've managed to hold on to my trades throughout the finals. So I would. So what I was thinking is like I try, I try to come up with a better balance myself, but I have done early trades. I think you have to make early trades to increase your salary cap. Like letting like if you buy Max King week four, he'll be four hundred and fifty thousand. Where if you bought him week two, he was two hundred and eighty. Yeah, and that that's almost a two hundred thousand dollars swing. Which and you don't want to miss the boat. Yeah, on, like yeah. that that's the maximum kind of example. But players like Nico Hines, even your Jake Cliffords, your Payne Haas, your Joe Arrows, are all going to be an extra hundred, hundred and fifty in value, and so and. You could have other players that are losing value. It's really hard cap management to not make trades for the first two weeks, let alone potentially three. I think you do need to put a cutoff date where this is just my team going in and through Origin. And I've been picturing that for myself being week six to eight. Yep. And then, you know, we also have extra trades this year. We have extra two trades. Two trades, yeah. And so, you can, after I think it was round 13, you can use more than two trades a week. You can use four scary. trades a week, which <laughs> for you, scary. yeah, you uh, you and our other friend will be a dangerous thing. You're, you're, you've got longer to use, so you've got more trades, but you might actually use them quicker, which will be uh, which will be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree on the um, using your trades early. Like, even last year when I was in the top, I think it was, what, 100 uh, people in the in the game, I was still using my trades. So, even though I was scoring really well, I, there was definitely still room for improvement um, in my in my team. And, um, you know, I haven't started as well, obviously, this, this season, um, but I've definitely looked to use my trades um, over the first three rounds um, already. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, it's about... If you've done the right team at the start of the year, there's less crucial trades you have to make. Yep. Like most people already have Brad Snyder in the team. And if you didn't have Brad Snyder and you refused to bring him in just to save a trade, that's just absurd. Yeah. But if you already had him, you already had Leo Thompson, you already had Max King, like there wasn't a lot of must trades. I used to believe dumping players just hemorrhaging money. Like it's hard to justify dumping Tom Tom Trevojevic. Yep. I probably would have dumped him after week one. Yeah. And going with Cameron Murray or DCE, uh, and then waited for Cleary to come in. But yeah, it's, there's a, there's a lot of, it, this game is so frantic. 
there's always a reason to make trades. Well, especially with suspensions and injuries and stuff like, yeah, you know, you, you, you might have all the uh, plans in the world to your trades and then someone gets injured or someone gets suspended that throws a, a spanner in the works and you basically have to re-evaluate your whole, um, you know, process as well. And let's keep in mind this person that we're talking about is zero and three <laughs> in, our, in our league. So uh, it hasn't really worked. Hasn't, hasn't been helping to get wins, but they haven't won a premiership in almost nine years. So I think their logic is I want to end that drought. Yeah, because they've done Mix so it up. well. They've done so well in regular season. Yeah, it's really hard to dominate a regular season and win a premiership, as you would know. <laughs> yes, even though you got the balance perfect, it was just bad luck. You had you won the minor premiership and had trades. Going I literally had the, the enough trades, perfect trades to use yeah. two each week in the finals until the grand yeah, final. So there's a good argument. A lot of it's just luck. Yeah, but you need luck and trades. <laughs> yeah, is what we've learned. And you only had one of them last year, unfortunately. But a lot of people have luck, but not the trades. So I think uh, I think managing your trades. I think you could, when it comes to trades, I like to work backwards. So when I go into the finals, I kind of ideally would like to have six six trades. Yep, not enough for every week. Well, you're hoping enough. you play the first week of the finals, win, win. get the week off, so that you yeah. do, then you sweep. But even that, I can probably get by with six. Yep, make one trade here and there, and have two for the grand final. Then I got to like peel my way back. And I feel like I always try to avoid making, especially because we don't play in our league, buy rounds. If playing overall, it's a different situation with Origin and that, trying to put together a cohesive unit. For two of those, I, yeah. I think when you, if you're trying to win the league, you just punt the buy rounds yeah. in the Origin games. And if you're playing um, overall, you've just got to try to manage it the best that you can without going nuts. I think you've got to kind of almost set yourself a by round 12, I want to have this many trades. By round 18, I want to have this many trades. By the finals, I want to have this. By the grand final, I want to have that. I think but it's all about moderation as we were saying to um, our listener that hasn't made any trades this year you've got to find the right balance going from one extreme to the other you're just going to have the complete opposite type of problems yeah well you, you miss out on players that you potentially could have had or you've got players that you should have dumped who have dropped too much cash and you can't bring in other players that, are, that you really should have so yeah it's a, it definitely is a balance um, yeah, one one that's the it's a crystal ball sometimes that you feel like you need to have to uh, to get it right. But um, yeah, obviously the, the the good players have been able to manage that. Um, and you know you've won a premiership, so you know what it uh, what it's all about. Yeah, this player also had Sean Johnson and kept him, which like made sense because he might play this weekend. Yeah. So to me, that stuff makes sense. Like a player that you thought was a great choice. And he got injured week one, but he's only out for three or four weeks. Like, I considered keeping Sean Johnson. I just thought, I've got trades right now. I might as well use them and worry about being conservative. Well, where you, whether you see them in your final team, right? So, Sean Johnson, yes, okay, he might have made a bit of cash. But if you saw other players who you didn't predict to go so well, like a Nico Hines or someone like that, you're more inclined to go for someone like that, you know, to, to fill out your team rather than sit with that sort of cash on the bench as well. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be. I think it's an interesting balance. I think you have to trade aggressively in the first few weeks, take advantage of those real drastic price changes. The first, I think, three to four weeks is where you see the most kind of price movements. Like we discussed, week three is when they really start to kick into gear. So you've got those first two weeks to take advantage of less severe swings, so less severe losses, less severe gains. And you've got those two weeks to kind of galvanize your team and then... Go, Prices start to really go up and down from week three onwards. 
So you, you got to kind of protect your team's value, but hopefully by week six to eight, you've kind of got a bit of a cemented team where all the players are kind of on track to either break even or make money. And then you don't have to worry about your cap management. You can just worry about preserving your trades through to the back end of the origin period and start being like, what's my perfect team look like and how I'm going to get there. Yep. And just managing, yeah. If, if there are any injuries to come up, you've got the trades there to potentially move around in some weeks if need be as well. Mm. Think, do you have any more pearls? Um, no, I think, uh, I think like we've just talked on, it's just managing your trades, uh, pretty well. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been a, it's been, hasn't been too many major team list changes over the first couple of weeks, which is, which has been nice. There hasn't been too many major surprises. Um, I'm sure those will come in the next couple of weeks, but yeah, I think as we covered with that trade management thing, that's, that's the big thing for the, the next couple of weeks. It was sensational. More great wisdom from... Mr. 1000, Jake Bull. Yeah, 2021, Mr. 1000. Yeah. 2022, Mr. 20,000. <laughs> uh, great. Well, we'll be back next week unless we have a bit of falling out. <laughs> All right, see ya.